You're listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We do this through our regular weekend services, life groups that meet throughout the week, and by helping people connect to their God-given purpose. Parents, mark your calendars. July 9th through the 11th, we're having Vacation Bible School for ages 3 to 5th grade from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Your child will experience interactive Bible lessons, sing songs with IFC worship, as well as expand their discoveries through crafts and games. You can register at intlfamilychurch.com VBS. If you'd like to be part of VBS, we're accepting volunteers. Connect with Erica Jones, our Kids World Director, through our website to find out how you can help. Coming up on Saturday, July 13th, we'll be joining hundreds of churches to take part in a nationwide initiative called Serve Day. Serve Day is an annual opportunity for the church to get out of the church and make a difference in the surrounding community. If you're passionate about helping people in a way that can impact their lives forever, we want to encourage you to join us for this special day. You can play an important role in helping others by spreading the love of Jesus in the greater Boston area and beyond. Be sure to mark your calendars for Serve Day, July 13th. Now here's today's message. Are you ready for God's Word today? Come on, let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to study the Word of God today. Man, we're excited. We have anticipation. We have expectation. We're about to read the Bible. We're about to learn more about God. We're about to learn more about um, truth that will change us from the inside out, that will improve our lives. We believe that the way we walked in this room is going to be very different than the way we walk out today, because we believe, Father God, that you are doing something good inside of us today. Thank you for always setting us up. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for the seed that we're about to sow. We believe it's going to be sown in good ground, which produce much fruit, because you're all about fruitfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today is part two in our four-part series entitled, When Opportunity Knocks. When Opportunity Knocks. See, you got to believe and you got to know today, and I believe most of you know this, that God is the God of opportunity. God wants you to experience His opportunities daily. Shouldn't be something every once in a while. Shouldn't be something that's the exception rather than the rule. It shouldn't be every, you know, every three years you experience a God opportunity. You have to understand something that God is not about frustrating us. He doesn't want us to live frustrated lives. That we get right to the doorstep of opportunity, but we never cross over the threshold and go through the door of opportunity. See, God's will and God's plan is to get us ready. That's the purpose of this series, to get us ready, to get you ready, to get your house ready, your family ready, to get your business ready, to get us ready as a church, so that when opportunity knocks, we will be ready. And the question we've been asking, when opportunity knocks, will you be ready? I want to be ready. How about you? I absolutely want to be ready when opportunity knocks in my life. Our main verse of scripture that we started last week is this found in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a great and effective effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. We read in the Amplified Version, it talks about a wide door of opportunity. Let's discuss again, remind you what this word great and effective means, because it gives us a real picture of what kind of door is being opened to us. Great, unusually large, in size and dimension. 
effective, valid, or powerful, producing desired results. I read that, and you know what I think? I think, Lord, those are the doors I'm praying for. How about you? I'd walk through that door. I'd, I'd want that kind of door in my life. See, you're praying for these kinds of doors. You're praying for this in your family, in your marriage with your children. You're praying for this for your business, um, for your ministry. You're absolutely believing God. Yeah, I'd walk through that door. I'd go through that door. That represents the doors that every one of us are praying for. Amen. Now, why aren't more of us walking through those doors? We want them. We're praying for them. We're believing for them. Why aren't we experiencing more of the unusually large in size and dimension, more valid or powerful, producing desired results? Go back to that verse again. There's something at the end of that verse that says what? And there are many what? Adversaries. Adversaries. Oh, boo. Adversaries. We were going good here for a while. So you got to bring up adversaries, right? Other translations say opposition. See, right by the door, this great, big, amazing door that God wants to open up to us, this opportunity that he wants us to be ready for, right around that door are all these adversaries, oppositions, things that try to block us and distract us and, and convince us, oh, I can't go through that door. I'd never be able to handle that. I, I'm afraid, or I, I got anxiety, or I, I, I can't do that. I, what? You kidding me? I, that's the same adversity that tripped me up last time. I can't do that. Well, you have to understand something, that when God opens a wide door of opportunity for you, it'll be the right door. But it doesn't mean it'll be problem-free door. Right? Now, I can't get into it because we did last week. I could very easily go back there and preach that same part again. You got to go back to last week and, and read what we talked about opposition and why opposition stops us, and it should not stop us. Last week, we talked about five things you need to know about the doors in your life. Five very important things that really help us understand doors in our lives. And we said this, your destiny will be shaped by which doors you walk past and which doors you walk through. Wow. Man, that's such important truth. I want to magnify this today. I want to go there today. I told you that I would last week. So we're going we're gonna to understand this point. Very important. See, the challenge for us all is that we all want to walk through the right doors, right? We want to go through the, the right ones because we've all, uh, you know, gone, have gone through the wrong doors. We all have. Right? How, how many here have ever said, that's definitely the right door? You walk through that right door and you realize, whoa, that was a wrong door. Yeah. Ever happened to you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Happens to all of us. Man, we sure, we were sure that was the right door. That was the right job. She was the right one. He was the right one. That was the right this or the right that. We absolutely knew for sure that that was absolutely it, and it wasn't. And the reason why it's important that you go through the right door at the right time, because every door you go through, there's a price to pay. It's a price of energy, effort, money, relationship, partnership. Man, there's, there's a price to pay. Some people have gone through the wrong door, and the price was small. Others have gone through the wrong door, and the price was way too big, very costly. Good people today still suffering because they went through the wrong door. That motivates us all the more. I want to go through the right door. I got too many bumps on my head, too many bruises, too many scars. 
Am I in the right room? I, I can't afford to keep going through these wrong doors. We talked about last week how we have broken choosers. And the Holy Spirit wants to help fix your chooser. So many of us, we just seem to always choose wrong. We want the car, and we pick the curtain with the donkey. Right? And they're not the same. Right? We want our chooser right, and the Holy Spirit wants to help us fix our chooser. So how do we do this? How do we know which doors to walk past and which doors to walk through? Well, as we said last week, you have to have something the Bible calls discernment. So today I want to do exactly what I said I was going to do. Let's go through the door of discernment today. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the door of discernment. The psalmist said this, and it was so good. In Psalm 119, 66, he said, teach me good judgment, discernment, and knowledge, for I have believed and trusted and relied on your commandments. I don't know about you, but I want good judgment. That's discernment. Some of us weren't brought up in environments where there was good judgment. We weren't taught how to make good decisions. We weren't taught right from wrong. We weren't taught, um, you know, good and bad. Uh, to some degree, you were. But, but the older we got, it seemed like everybody just kind of left it up to us to make our own way, do our own thing. I love the, the, the Passion Translation. It says, teach me how to make good decisions. How many would say, that's me? Oh, Lord. Teach me how to make good decisions. Man, I, I, our kids are older now. Gotta, gotta, they're, at a, right, they're at that age. We've got to make good decisions. Um, career, ministry, business, right? A season of life. Man, Lord, teach me to make good decisions. And it goes on to say, give me revelation light, for I believe in your commands. Wow. That's good to believe in God's word. And God's Word wants to help you make good decisions. Here's what the word discernment means. The process of making careful distinctions in our thinking between truth and error and right and wrong. For the follower of Christ, it is being in the know. It is the ability to think biblically, walking in the wisdom of God in all areas of our life. That's good. I'll take some time to settle in. Um, I don't have time to go through word by word. But, you know, discernment is the ability to be in the know. I want to be in the know. Lord told me years ago, if you'll be in the know, you'll always be in the flow. Right? I want to be in the flow. I want to buy the right house. I want to marry the right person. I want to get the right job. I want my business to be right where it needs to be and for me to prosper and for that idea, that entrepreneur spirit in me. I want to be in the flow. I want to know the will of God. I want to walk through the right doors and walk right past those wrong doors and not take the left or right that I've done before, right? Yeah. Amen. See, discernment is good judgment. It's being in a place where you can think it through and you can realize, okay, wait a minute. I, I've done that before. This looks familiar. And I got this scar because of it, right? And it should make you think, and there's a biblical understanding as a child of God, the ability to think biblically, walking in wisdom in all areas of life. I think we could all say, I'll sign up for that, right? Yeah, you kidding me? I want that. I'll take it up a portion of that, in fact, because especially those of you that have not had good judgment in your life, 
Mm, my Lord. That's so good. This ability is indispensable if you want to walk through the right doors and walk past the wrong doors. You need to be discerning. In today's hectic, filled, crazy sounds and noises are all around us, and it's always fighting for our attention. It's always fighting to, the, to get in that place where it's distracting us away from what really matters, and it's so overwhelming, and it's so full of tension and, and anxiety and worry all around us. Oh my goodness, it's, it can be overwhelming, and it's hard to stay focused on God and follow His voice. So here's our big takeaway. Here's the one big truth I want you to go home with today. The more God-inside-minded you are, the more discernment you will walk in. The more God-inside-minded you are, the more discernment you will walk in. I submit to you that the reason why we walk through the wrong doors instead of walking in the right doors is we are not God-inside-minded enough. If we were more God-inside-minded, we wouldn't walk in such a lack of judgment. We wouldn't walk not understanding error and truth. We wouldn't walk good and bad. We would, we would understand it. We would get it. There's something about being God-inside-minded. There's something that you as a child of God, of all people, should be God-inside-minded. There's ever been a group of people that should be God-inside-minded. I'm looking at them today. You online are looking at me today, right? This group should be God inside minded. All right, how do we do this? How do we become God inside minded? I want this. I want discernment. I want to make good judgment. I want to walk past the wrong doors and walk in the right doors. Let's talk about this. What is, let's, let's make a case today to how do we be God inside minded? Genesis 1, here's where it all starts. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. What was that image? Was it the Italian image? That wouldn't be bad. Was it the Latino image? That wouldn't be bad. African-American? African? Yeah, yeah right, yeah. <laughs> Brazilian? What, what? Right? Chinese? I mean, what, what is it? What, what, what is that image he's talking about? Well, the image he's talking about here is nothing to do with the outside. Everything to do with on the inside. Amen. Everything to do with the inside. God tells us that man is a spirit being. Women, we are, you are a spirit being. He made, we are made in the likeness of God. We say it this way. Man is a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. Right? So we spend so much time on this body, don't we? Oh, my Lord. We don't even want to go there. That's a 12-part series, right? That's, we spend so much time on our body, and we spend so much time on our soul, right? Feeding it and reading and learning. And nothing wrong with that. But we spend so little time on the most important part of us, the part that's like God, the part that we were made in His image, our spirit. Amen. Your spirit, we have, we're walking around these big old bodies, walking around these big old souls, and these little weeny spirits. Right? These little weeny spirits. And we're wondering why we're walking through the wrong doors on a regular basis. Oh, my, my, my. Amen. See, when the physical body of man or woman is dead in the grave, the spirit lives on. That's the part of man and woman that's eternal. The spirit can never die. 
So it really is and becomes and is the most important part of you. 2 Corinthians 4.16 goes on to say, For this reason we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. We, we know that, right? Right? Anybody been planting some flowers lately and feeling all the aches and pains? You will. That's the outward man. Yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. The good news is your inner man doesn't get older. It gets better. At least it should. Right? The outer man is getting older, and we're feeling the results of age, and we can delay that with good, you know, all the, all the various things that we know to, to delay that process and to slow it down as much as possible. Absolutely. But the inward man, the real you, is being renewed day by day. It's coming alive. It shouldn't get smaller and smaller. It shouldn't get weaker and weaker. It should get stronger and stronger. The longer you're a child of God, the longer you do what we're going to be talking about today, the bigger that your spirit becomes. Amen. That's where our spirit receives eternal life. When we were born again, the life of God, the nature of God, it's our spirit that's made a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Look, all things have become new. This is talking about the inward man. When you're born again, it becomes a new creation. Amen. See, you don't get a new body. Your outward man will always be what your outward man is. Right? If you were bald before you got born again, you're going to be bald after you get born again. <laughs> right? If you had blue eyes before you were born again, guess what? You're going to have blue eyes after you get born again. So the boy being born again doesn't change anything about the outward man. You don't suddenly grow hair when you get born again. I mean, that would be a neat thing. I guess God could do that. Sure. He can do anything. But my point is the outward man doesn't change. What changes is your inward man. That comes alive. Right? That comes alive. That becomes uh, uh, in tune with God and, and desiring more of God. Absolutely. Amen. The outward man does not change. You change the outward man. God changes the inward man. You're in charge of the outward man, how you take care of your outward man, how you take care of your soul. God is in charge of taking care of your inward man. Amen. Since we are spirit beings, we need to learn how to be more spirit conscious more God inside-minded. Spiritual things become more real to us when we are God inside-minded. Amen. we got to walk in greater discernment. Let's simplify this, and we'll just say this and move on. With my body, I contact the physical realm. With my soul, I contact the intellectual realm. And with my spirit, I contact the spiritual realm. Amen. The spiritual realm. It's not about outward. You know, we judge people based on our outward man, based on our our house, the exterior of our house, the, the color of our house, um, the, the, the potential of our house, uh, the color of the hair, whether we have tattoos or no tattoos, or whether you know, we have a, uh, this or that. And we judge people based on outward things. Amen. And we're not supposed to. Because you know why? The outward man, the outward woman, is not the real you. What you see today is not the real me. It's not. No, it's not. My outward man is not the real me. The real me is found on the inside. It's my spirit man. That's the real me. 
That's the real person. That's the one that God's working on. Amen. Always working from the inside out, where man is always working from the outside in. So God wants to work from the inside out. Amen. And the number one way we become more spirit conscious, more aware of the inward man, is by praying in the spirit. Amen. After you are born again, now thank God for that, 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 that the grace of God that, that changed us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit came in and helped us and, and helps us live our, our life for Christ and so on and so forth. And this is the second experience of, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe in being baptized in the Holy Spirit here at IFC. We're not ashamed of it. We believe in it. See, I believe the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. People are weird. Right? People are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. That's why there's not a weird spirit in this church. Because we help weird people get unweirded. I made up a word, right? It fits, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Acts 2 4, what? All of them on the day of Pentecost were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I was filled with the Spirit at seven years old. But I didn't understand what happened to me until I was in my 20s. It was tradition. It was what Pentecostals did. They got filled with the Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. But I wasn't in my 20s, so I realized the power that was in me, the ability to connect with my inward man, the the ability to be God-inside-minded, the ability to prepare my heart and get ready to really connect with God and His plan for my life. I don't want you to wait that many years. You come to IFC, we're going to help you understand the value of this. And 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, if I pray in the Spirit, one of the same. My spirit prays, and my mind is unfruitful. See, there you go. You Pentecostals don't have a mind. You Pentecostals don't even think. That's not what that means. doesn't mean that at all. My, my spirit prays, and my mind doesn't get in the way. That's what that means. When I pray in the spirit, my mind doesn't have the opportunity to complicate the issue that's already complicated. I love that. See, when you're in crises, everything is complicated. Oh my goodness, what are you going to do? We panic. We're in fear. We're anxiety. We're all this and we're all that. If you're not God inside-minded, you can't disconnect from that. Every time there's a crisis, I can disconnect from that. Not denial, not in any other way, but in a healthy spiritual way, I can begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. And as I pray in the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? My mind doesn't get in the way. My mind that wants to panic. My mind that's all concerned. My mind that says, oh gosh, we're going to die. My mind says this marriage is going to work. Oh my goodness, my child, where are they? Where, where is she? What's going on? Am I making the right choice? And your mind is like, ah! Right? Been there, done that. But when you pray in the Spirit, your mind doesn't get it. Your spirit prays. And your mind can't complicate it. Man, I like that. I need that. Are you kidding me? I need that so much. Absolutely. See, over the years, I've learned to pray. When I'm in crises, and we can get in crises mode easy here at IFC. All of you and all your crises, thank you very much. Um, right? Uh, stuff in the Del Turco house. It could be whatever it could be. You can imagine how things could get complicated pretty quickly. Amen. But thank God, I know how to, because I've done it for so many years, I know how to look on the inside. 
to be God inside minded. I know what you're doing. I know how I feel. I know what she's doing. I know what he's doing. But then I go, okay, there's an answer in here. Something here I got to look through. And the more I'm caught up out here, the more I can't hear in here. And I can't be God inside minded. In the middle of panic, I'm going to go through the wrong door. Oh, that's the answer. Oh, he'll help me. He's got money. Oh, that's, that's, that's this. That. And, and we, what happens is in the midst of that confusion, it gets all complicated and we just make the wrong parenting choices. We make the wrong romance choices. We make the wrong financial choices. We just, we just mess it all up because we're not God inside minded. I hope this is helping you because it's sure helping me. Too many believers try to connect with their spirits during times of crises. The most difficult time to hear and to know. We have to do it not only in crises. We can't be crises Christians. Can't tell you how many years I was a crises Christian. I was a Christian when there was a crisis. Don't look at me like that. Right? It's a crises Christian. I only pray when there's crises. I go to church when there's crises. And depending on the crises, depends on where you sit in the auditorium. See, this whole front row is in crises. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, right? <laughs> right? So the more crises you are, the closer to the messenger you want to be. The closer to the anointing. You want to feel my spit, right? I need it. Oh, yeah, I'm desperate. Spit on me, pastor. <laughs> right? No. So I got to understand something then. See, you don't first learn how to drive being dropped off in downtown Boston at 5 o'clock. Now, if your dad was a masochist, he would do that to you. Throw you in the deep end without floaties. That's typically not how you learn how to drive. You don't learn how to drive in downtown Boston right in the middle of rush hour. Where do you learn? In a big parking lot that's empty. The only thing you got to be worrying about is what? Don't run into a lamppost. And you've hit a few of those. I get it. But see, you learn where there's no distractions. You learn when it's peaceful. You learn when piece of cake. (laughs) Right? I got this down pat. That's when you learn when there's no truck coming after you. You're not going through some narrow road or whatever the case may be. See, that's how we need to be. We need to be praying in the Holy Ghost, not just for crises only. Praying in the Holy Ghost on a regular basis when it's good, when it's bad, when it's crazy, and when it's peaceful. Don't forget to pray in the Spirit. Amen. God inside-minded. Now, once you establish that, then you want to do the next step. You want to say, okay, now I need to hear from God. I'm sensitive. I'm God inside-minded. I've, I've tuned myself into God. It's not only outward. It's now I'm looking inward. So what do I do? How do I do this? Well, let's take a few minutes and, and discuss how God speaks to us. How God speaks to us when we choose to be God inside-minded. Here's what will happen to you. Number one, he'll speak to you by his still, small voice inside our hearts. That's why it's so important to open up your heart to be God inside minded because there's a still small voice wanting to communicate to you. 1 Corinthians 19.11 says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind split the mountains and broke it in pieces and rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
after the fire, a still, small voice. Here Elijah encounters God with a still, small voice. That's a great way to describe God's voice in our lives. See, God's voice is profoundly audible, though it is often distinguishable, not distinguishable, by our physical ears. Someone asked me once, what is, why does God speak with a still, small voice? The answer just came out of my heart. Because it speaks about proximity. It speaks about closeness. It speaks about intimacy. Stephanie's going to whisper to me, so what am I going to do? I'm going to what? I'm going to lean in. Because Stephanie's trying to tell me something. And so because she's speaking quietly, okay, what? All right. It's proximity. It's closeness. Amen. He doesn't need to talk loud. When somebody's standing right beside my ear, there's no need for that. There's no need to speak loud, right? Because when you do speak loud and you're, and, and right there, and all of a sudden, Stephanie goes, ha, whatever, and she starts yelling. I'm thinking, holy cow, right? That, it's even hard to understand what she said. Now it's a volume issue. Now it's an issue that, right, it's, it's not working because now she's screaming and I can't even comprehend because there's panic or there's craziness coming out of her mouth. I'm thinking, wait, 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 calm down, calm down. I, I can't hear, I can, I can hear the noise, but I can't make out what you're saying, right? See, God doesn't speak that way. And the second thing is, he, God's not a barker. He, it's a still small voice, so it's a matter of proximity, and it's also a matter of God doesn't need to talk loud because if God talks loud and God is like comes across as this barking God, guess what? You're not going to feel motivated. You're going to think, man, this is a domineering God. This is a kind of uncaring God. You're just barking at me, right? How many men here respond real well? How many husbands respond real well here when your wife barks at you? Let me see your hand. I see no hands whatsoever. I see one hand that went up because he's lying, but... Right? No, you don't respond well to barking. I don't respond well to barking. I, I'm, I'm a self-motivated guy. You don't need to bark at me. Right? That's been an issue in our marriage sometimes. She's not here, so that's good. We're, she's here, but maybe she's listening. I don't know. But I could be in trouble, whatever. Uh, it's a possibility. Amen. But see, I don't do well with barking. Wives, your husbands don't do well with barking. And if husbands, if you're the barker, stop barking, right? God, that's why he doesn't bark, because he wants to motivate us. He wants to inspire us. He doesn't want you to think he's a hard taskmaster, and he's just pushing you and pointing an accusing finger at you. That doesn't work in human beings. It doesn't work with me, and it doesn't work with God. Are you here? His still small voice inside your heart is the most loving voice. It's an awesome voice you've ever heard. That's God. Follow that voice. Get quiet. Ask him, Lord, talk to me. And listen for that still small voice. The second way God speaks to us is number two, is through the rhema word of God. Oh, I love this. Romans 10, 17 says, 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing. It's continuous. It never stops. It's not by having heard. Faith comes by hearing it over and over again by the word of God. This word word here is the word rhema in the Greek, and it means it means the living voice of God. It means the now word of God. The Apostle Paul is telling us here in Scripture that faith is born when God's word comes alive in you. When God's word comes alive, faith is born. You attach yourself to that. There's something wonderful about a word of God that comes alive to you. See, every one of us have Bibles, either an actual Bible or a digital device, and, and every word found here is called the logos, the written word of God. The key to be God inside minded is this logos has to become rhema. It needs to jump off the page. And when it jumps off the page, well, let me tell you something, it changes life. There's been more than once I need to get through this chapter, but I can't get past chapter, verse 35 because verse 35 like jumps off the page and becomes highlighted. And I said, whoa, I never saw that before. Man, that's good. That's perfect for what I need right now. What encouragement that is. God, you will see me through. God, I will be patient. God, I will be. God, I this or that. And thank God for that. It has to jump off the page. Why is the rhema word so important? Because the rhema word is a word, it's a situational word for you. Amen. And it goes on to say, it goes on to say, um, this verse, it's a situational word. Let me, let me say it this way. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Reading my Bible, though, over the years, I've had hundreds of experiences where reading my Bible and it came alive. It jumped off the page. God wants that, that to happen in your life. Think about this. People who don't read their Bibles are missing an opportunity for God to speak to them and build their faith. Do you read your Bible? I pray you do. You might think that's pretty elementary. That's what we ask our kids. I'm asking my kids. Do you read your Bible? Do you read it every day? Because if you don't, you're missing a major place where God can speak to you. A major point where God can come alive and give you a, a living word, a now word, a word for what you're dealing with right this very moment. Amen. Read it. Let it become alive to you. Sit down and read the Bible daily and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And ask Him, Lord, make, I'm going to read this right now, and I believe that, that you are going to make this come alive. Nuggets of truth to transform my life and cause me to want to obey them, write them down, and let them be rhema words. And last but not least, the third thing that happens when you become God-inside-minded, God will lead you through a sense of peace. Through a sense of peace. Colossians 3.15 let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. I love this word rule. This word rule sets us up to understand the importance of this. The word rule means to umpire or to decide. To umpire or to decide. See, the peace of God in our hearts is one of the most important ways that God speaks to us daily. And through His peace, He guides us, as I was saying before, He guides us situationally. Just like an umpire directs a game situation by situation. If you ever watch baseball or have somebody who is a ref, I mean, that's what they do. Situations rise up, and a ref says, that was wrong, that's a foul, that's a strike, that's a ball. Um, and so peace is that that entity, that force that leads us situationally. Many decisions we make in life 
are not in the Bible. You know that, right? I can't look up Proverbs 26, verse 24 and read, And you will marry Verna June 5th. It's not there. I can't look over here in 1 Kings 11 and say, You will go to Boston College. I can't find it in here where it says, no, you will start that business um, in just two weeks. You will buy this house in this neighborhood. It's not there, is it? But just because it's not there doesn't mean you shouldn't know. Just because it's not there doesn't mean you shouldn't have an understanding of which house to buy, of what car to buy, of what school to go to, what job to take, what investment you should make. Just because it's not written in here doesn't mean it shouldn't be clear to you so you can walk through the right door and go past the wrong door. How does God do that? By following after peace. See, there's a still small voice. There's a word that comes alive. It's a now word. And there's a peace that covers the rest of it. A peace that guides us and leads us and causes us to, no matter what the case may be, we can still have an answer, amen, with his peace. John 14, 26, my last verse of scripture says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. He was telling the disciples and he's telling us, I I've got to go. I'm, I'm leaving you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. You can only be with me wherever I am, but the Holy Spirit will live on the inside of you. And along with the Holy Spirit is going to come this thing called peace. Peace and the Holy Spirit, they go together hand in hand. You find the Holy Spirit, you're going to find peace. You find the peace of God, you're going to find the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's that peace that wants to lead you and guide you. My wife and I have made up our mind. It's our policy. We will never make a major decision. And I can't think of many other decisions that we have made without doing them together. And we have also made the decision that we will never violate peace. Never. Never. If we don't have peace, you're not getting us to do it. Well, you got an hour, Pastor. The sale is going to stop in about 10 minutes. If I don't have peace, I don't care how much money I save. Now, Pastor, you got you to make a decision right now whether you're going to buy that house or not because, you know, everybody wants to buy this house and everybody wants to do this. And, you know, and so you don't fall after peace. You think, oh, my goodness, I don't want to lose this house. And you buy the house and it's full of termites. Happens all the time. Why? Because we didn't follow after peace. We followed after pressure. We followed after somebody making me make a decision. We don't do it that way. You're going to walk through the wrong door. Anxiety and pressure and people's opinion will make you walk through the wrong door. There have been people that have been walking down the aisle about to get married and they have no peace. People that have made million dollar decisions with no peace. They've moved their family across the country or around the world with no peace. Man, don't you violate peace. Peace is there to guide you, to save your behind. Amen. You see, with the world, peace is external. It's fragile. It's circumstantial. It can't be trusted. But God's peace is eternal, enduring, beyond your circumstances.
Listen, always pay attention. Always pay attention to the level of peace in your life regarding the issues you are seeking him about. How's your level of peace? I got a big decision to make, Pastor. All right, it never fails. Where and I will ask at least, it, it, it comes up all the time. Well, what do you have peace for? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, and let's locate peace. What level of peace in your life regarding the issues you are seeking? There are times where everything looked perfect. There's no reason not to pull the plug or, or you know, ready, aim, ready, aim, and no reason why we shouldn't fire. Looked like a perfect opportunity, but there was no peace. That's God saying no. I can't tell you how many times it looked like the worst Man, bombs were dropping, missiles are flying. It looked like no way, but you got peace. God's trying to tell you, man, go for it. Don't be moved by the good or don't be moved by the storm. Amen. See, as you pray in the Spirit, as you listen to God's still small voice, as you receive a now word from God, as you follow after peace, you will become more God inside minded. What's our big takeaway? The more God inside minded you are, the more you will, the more God inside-minded you are, the more you will hear from God, or the more discernment you will have. Amen. See, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what decisions are weighing heavy on your heart. But I know that when I surrender my will to God's will, when I surrender my plan for his plan, I man, I gave my life to Christ when I was seven years old. Can you imagine how many times over all these many years I sang, I surrender all? Thousands. And every time I do, it focuses me. Every time I do, I realize I have a sense of the lesser surrendering to the greater. My plan, my will, my way of building this business, my way of making my wife happy, my way of making my husband happy, my way of raising these kids, my way of, my way, my way. Just, okay, stop. It's time to surrender. Time to pay attention. When you surrender, you become God inside-minded. All the storms, all the bind, all the complication, all the craziness of life, all the phones that ring. It happens that you realize, wow, God, help me. I surrender all to you. That's a weird sound. Let's stand to our feet. Raise those hands towards heaven today. I know my time is over, but let's take a minute. Let's sing this song all to Jesus. Look to him today. Look to Jesus today. Look to him. Don't be distracted. Look to Jesus today and realize he's here for you. He's causing you and reminding you, come on, be God inside-minded. Your answer's on the inside. Your answer's not out here with all these circumstances. Surrender. Surrender that anxiety. Surrender that pain. Surrender that fear. Surrender that concern. Surrender that insecurity. Surrender it all. To Jesus.
Come on, let's have a moment with God today. Thank you, Father. those hand swords having today. Let's do it. I surrender Come on, surrender your heart to him today. person you're surrendering? Is it a situation you're surrendering? Is it a broken heart you're surrendering? What is it that you're surrendering today? Always doing it your way? The frustration of always going through the wrong door? Surrender that today. The pain that you're still suffering from? Surrender that today. It's a new day for you. It's a new beginning. Oh, he loves you so much. If you just go through life a little bit more surrendered, a little bit more saying, okay, God, I can't figure this out. Not waiting till it's so overwhelming. Sooner than later, take the time to surrender. Sing with me one more time before we pray today. I surrender all. Sing it. I surrender all. What a great place for us to be as a congregation, Father, as we surrender all the good, the bad, the ugly, even all the successes. We surrender it all to you today. You're a God that doesn't judge us. You're a God that loves us. You're a God that wants to be there every step of the way to help us be God-inside-minded, to make wise choices. We purpose in our heart from this day forward to have discernment. We're going to put in the work we're going to listen to the still small voice. We're going to read your word and allow it to come alive to us. We're going to follow peace and never violate it ever to the best of our ability. And we know in so doing, Father God, that you cause us as believers to be in the know 
so we can always be in the flow. As your heads are bowed, just say, Pastor, I need this, Jesus. I told you last week, the best door of all doors, the door of all doors, Jesus said it, I am that door, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've never gone through the door today, it's going to be hard to always go through the right doors. Some people just have natural wisdom, they have good judgment, but for the most part, without Jesus in your heart, you're never going to make the way right. Say, Pastor, pray for me, I need this Jesus. I want him. I need my sins forgiven. I want heaven as my home. I want to be ready when opportunity knocks. If that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me today. Pray for me, please. If you just raise your hands, I want to know who you are today. Raise it up high. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Good for you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see it all the way back there. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Awesome. Who else? Raise it up high today. I need Jesus, Pastor. I'm ready. I, I'm surrendering it my way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. God bless you. I see it. Who else? Wow. Yep, all the way in the back. God bless you. I see it. Good for you, sir. Awesome. <laughs> Pastor Josh is going to come and close the service in just a moment. Let's pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of going through the wrong doors. So I come to the door. Jesus, you are the door. Forgive me for my sin. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I receive by faith forgiveness, eternal life, salvation. I will never be the same. Thank you for helping me from this day forward to walk in discernment and be God inside-minded. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times or how you can get involved, please visit inclfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.